So we go into the movie theater. She sits down. So excited to see what she brought. I have my popcorn. She whips out dried strawberries. She goes, how good are these? So sour and sweet. You're going to love it. I was like, excuse me? I'm like, where is the sour pouch? She's like, no, no. Try this. This is going to be perfect for your sweet tooth. Don't forget that I also brought kombucha. Yeah, she brought a kombucha. And then she ate my entire thing of popcorn. It was like out of a curb episode. I was literally sitting there and I just kept watching her hand go into my popcorn bag. Is she kidding? I got a small because she said she's not going to eat popcorn. And she finished my entire popcorn. I know that I said I wasn't going to eat it. I just said I would bring the candy and you get the popcorn. Hi, I'm Ariel Charnas and this is In House, my podcast about all the happenings in my life. Whether it's fashion, entrepreneurship, marriage, or mom life, you'll hear it all right here on In House. Hi guys, welcome back to In House with me, Arielle Charnas. This podcast is all about my world and everything that keeps me busy. For this week's episode, I'm welcoming another one of my good friends to the podcast, Sabrina Rudin. Sabrina is the founder and operator of Spring Cafe Aspen, an all-organic restaurant and juice bar with locations in Aspen, Colorado, and now New York City. Sabrina also shares her journey of motherhood, entrepreneurship, and health and wellness via her Instagram and is passionate about holistic living. In her free time, she loves to surf, snowboard, and spend time with her children. She lives in New York City with her husband, Michael. There's soon to be three sons and their dog, Hoppy. I am very excited to introduce Sabrina to the podcast as we talk about our friendship, motherhood, and entrepreneurship. Hi. Hi. Thank you for having me. Of course. Let's talk about how we met. My earliest memory of a friendship with you is when we were both about to be in labor with our first children talking about what we were feeling. Wait, was this at an event or was this over text message? Over text message. Like we were, we always met at events through Alexa. I think we connected at her baby shower. And then all of a sudden, one day, I just have a very vivid memory of being on, on the sofa, watching television, texting with you about like our situations. I remember. Oh my God. That was so long ago. That was with our, with our first, with Ruby and Lukey almost six years ago. And we weren't, we weren't close friends. And then I think I just, I was so excited to have a new mom friend. Same. You're one of my closest friends and I want my audience to really get to know me personally, as well as the people in my life. Do you want to share what sticks out in your mind when you realized this Arielle chick is someone I actually want to be friends with? I knew who you were as an idea. Like I sort of knew, I knew, obviously knew you through Alexa and I knew that you had a big social media following, which at the time, like, as you know, social media made no sense to me. And it took you sort of like guiding me to figure out my own situation on there. But I just remember it always being very easy to talk to you, like about anything. So even though I didn't know you that well, you had a very similar openness Like our conversation flowed really nice. The conversation flowed and I didn't have to be embarrassed to say anything to you. And you had a similar way of sort of speaking about your family or your friends or what you were going through or about being a mom. And it just, it felt easy. And like, that's, that's to this day, I text you random things that I wouldn't say to most other people, because I know that you're just like, nothing weirds you out. Nothing grosses you out. You don't judge anything. You just take it as it is. That's exactly how I felt when I first met you. I first was like, she's just like so warm and welcoming. And I really liked that about you because I feel like it's very hard for me to become friends with someone who's not that way. I'm not shy, but I feel like I need someone who's more pushes me to like do things that like I wouldn't 
ordinarily do. And I feel like you are the only person that like, I was like, I want to try something new with her. I would like, <laughs> I would eat vegan Korean food with this person. And I think that I says think a lot. I you were a little more guarded and I didn't really give you the option of not being my friend. I was like, oh no, we're hanging out and we're going to be friends and this is going to be great. And our kids are going to be friends. And like you said, like our priorities, I feel like are very similar, which I think really connects us. Like we care so much about family, but we also care about working. So are there any like fun memories that stick out in your mind of our, I have a great one. <laughs> I'm sure it involves taking me to the movie theater. That's exactly the um, one. It's my favorite story of all time. I'm sure you're going to tell that on your podcast. You guys, you have to hear what Sabrina your did. Your favorite thing to do is like no, notify me. This is my favorite story and I need to tell everyone. Okay. Well, mine is probably more sentimental. So why don't you get yours out of the way? Okay. So one of our, like, maybe it was like our fifth date. And we were like, let's go to the movies. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so excited. This will be really fun. We went to see Jurassic Park. There's no way Sabrina would ever want to see Jurassic Park. No, my husband asked me what had happened to me and said, wow, you must really like this girl. Couldn't pay me to go see a movie, a Jurassic Park movie. I thought we were going to go see a rom-com or something. I know, but you came with me and I was there early and I said, do you want, what do you want from the snack bar? And she was like, oh, don't worry, like, I'll bring the sour stuff if you want to just get some, like, popcorn for yourself. Like, I don't really eat that stuff. And Pretty I was like, sure oh, I okay. bring the sweets. You got the popcorn. You said I'll bring the sweets. Yeah. Okay, fine. So we go and so I'm like, you know, I'm very specific about my snacks and my food. Like, I need to be covered. And like, sometimes I just, I buy extra just in case for safety. But this time I was like, you know what? That would be rude to my new friends. So like, I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm just gonna buy the popcorn and like waters. And Figure, like assuming that she was going to bring this out with the sweet stuff. So we go into the movie theater. She sits down. I'm so excited to see what she brought. I have my popcorn. She whips out dried strawberries. She goes, how good are these? So sour and sweet. You're going to love it. I was like, excuse me? I'm like, where is the sour about? She's like, no, no, try this. This is going to be perfect for your sweet tooth. Don't forget that I also brought kombucha. Yeah, she brought a kombucha. And then she ate my entire thing of popcorn. It was like out of a curb episode. I was literally sitting there and I just kept watching her hand go into my popcorn bag. Is she kidding? I got a small because she said she's not going to eat popcorn and she finished my entire popcorn. I know that I said I wasn't going to eat it. I just said I would bring the candy and you get the popcorn. You brought something healthy of your own to substitute for the popcorn. Well, the popcorn was good. I can get down with a little movie popcorn, but Sour Patch Kids are just a whole other level. I've actually learned that about you is like, you're you follow like a holistic diet and like you eat very clean and very healthy but like you're not afraid to like in like you're not you're not afraid to go outside of that diet once in a while i don't know how many people that listen to this podcast follow you on instagram but if you do you know that sabrina like always finds like the healthiest alternatives and pretty much attacks me if i eat anything with dye in it or cane sugar. You have very supportive fans though. And I once got yelled at for food shaming a pregnant lady for saying you should eat healthy pop tarts. And I was like, excuse me, that is my best friend. And I will protect her from red dye. If she I can food to. shame me all day. And I will say since becoming your friend, it has fully changed mine and my children's lives for the better. Because that makes me so happy. I do eat, you know, we do eat, you know, once in a while, like I'll let them have a blow pop or something horrible with dye. But what I keep in my okay. home 
is so healthy and so clean because I have become so aware of all of the ingredients that are going into my kids' bodies. And that's because of you. And I feel like I might not see like results now, but I know that it's going to lead them to a healthier life and a longer life and just feeling better overall as you know, they get older. I do want you to talk about, you know, I'm sure a lot of mothers like want to know, and I would like to get more tips on this as well, is that, you know, it's very hard to feed your kids and watch them actually enjoy their meals or want to eat the things that you make for them. So now putting in like a healthier version of those things, like how do you do it? Like, how do you get your kids to actually want to eat those things and not, you know, look at a giant piece of chocolate cake at a birthday party and be like, mommy, I want that. And like, you're like, no, I'd rather you not eat that. Like, how do you do that? I think it's a few things. One, I think that if you raise your kids from the beginning with all the healthier options and eating a lot of vegetables and eating home cooked food and doing family meals, like I know you and I are both very big proponents of the family meal, always like you take your kids out to dinner with you, you sit down for Shabbat dinner or family dinner during the week, I eat with my kids, you know, almost every night, my my husband, Michael eats with we eats with us anytime he can get home from work. And we always make like one day a week where we're having a meal. And on the weekends, we always eat together. I think that that helps with sort of this culture of really loving food, appreciating food, appreciating home cooked food and home cooked meals. And my kids get really excited about that. Sure. Are they fussy sometimes? Yes. Like my, my six-year-old now is so much fun to eat with. I can take him to spring cafe Aspen. He'll eat anything on the menu and devour it. My three-year-old who was eating everything is now in a phase where he's like, yuck, yuck, yuck. If you put something down and doesn't really want to sit down, but those phases come and go. And I think that it's about, it's not about deprivation. Like my, I, when I think about my childhood or my mom, or our pantry. I ate sweets all the time. I mean, my mom always had sweets in the house. She always had a sweet for me after school or like a snack, you know, a special treat like my kids get after school. You know, they were fruit leathers from the health food store instead of a fruit roll up or, you know, they were something like though, you know, if I said, oh, I want a pop tart, she would go and get those back to nature, you know, back to nature pop tarts, which aren't perfect either, but once in a while are totally fine. Right. And we're so lucky that, yeah, when my parents were raising me, most of this stuff didn't really exist. Now, I mean, for any Halloween candy or any like cupcake or any, you know, drink that you could get in a sort of more mainstream market that your kids would be exposed to, they have all of those options in a much cleaner way that don't contain ingredients that we know are really harmful and that we know cause things like diabetes and heart disease and obesity and all the things that we want to try to, you know, protect our kids from as best we can right? while also letting them be kids and enjoy the world. And, you know, as my kids get older, you know, if we go to a birthday party and there's a piece of chocolate cake and Lukey wants that, then of course he has the chocolate cake because I know that the other 99% of the time he's eating, you know, much healthier versions. There's certain things that I don't give him. Like I don't give him things with food coloring and with dye. And we do go to parties and he does ask for them. And I always sort of say like, you can have the cupcake with the white icing, you know, if you want to have the cupcake from the party, not the one with not the red velvet. 
I explain to my kids why. I, it's not like I say, no, you can't have that just because, you know, just in the same way that you talk to your kids about kindness or why we treat people a certain way. Or if they ask you why they see something on the street and you give them an answer, that's the way I talk to them about food. I don't, I don't try to hide it from them. If, if Lukey says to me, why don't we eat things with dye? I say, cause you know, dye is really not something that should be in food. It's something that a lot of people are working to get out of food and it can, it can make you feel sick and not feel good in a whole lot of different ways. And I do it in a way that I don't think is like anxiety producing. I don't want them to be afraid of food or of the world, but just like we, you know, we teach children, like I said, about having different values. I don't think there's anything wrong with teaching them about food and health early on. And Lukey, my older one, like I'll sometimes get a comment from a camp counselor or a teacher where they laugh and they say it's actually pretty cute because, you know, they were handing out popsicles in camp and they were red and Lukey was like, oh, does that have red dye in it? We don't eat that. And they checked and they were like, actually it doesn't. It's just cherry juice. So you can, you know, you can have this one, but like he, he sort of takes ownership of it now. And he, he likes that, you know, or he'll say to me, mom, can you get me the candy cane without the dye? Cause he knows I can order it. So I think it's, it's all those things. It's, you know, having them really get involved in food and, and mealtime at home and including them in your in your joy and love for eating. It's starting kids don't come out of the womb wanting, you know, chicken fingers and M&Ms. They come out craving whatever you feed them. So if you start them on a on a, you know, diet or way of life sort of early, that's what that's what their taste buds crave. Got you picked this up from your mom and your upbringing. Yes, because my mom, you know, my parents raised me mostly vegetarian, all organic. Of course, when I was younger, I would sneak a blow pop or a Twizzler, you know. But I think as I got older, I started to notice that I felt really good when I ate certain things. And I felt really good when I would drink green juice and have all of my greens and my veggies. And the other thing I started to notice was that in high school, I think I really started to notice that I was sort of dependent on a lot less like just over-the-counter medicine than my friends were. Like I wasn't constantly popping Advils for headaches or having really terrible period cramps or all of these things that a lot of my friends were going through that they were like popping a pill for in a way. And that I think resonated with me because my mom would always sort of try to, you know, approach that with food and lifestyle and health and diet. And so I, I started doing my own research and getting really interested and that's when I started to learn like, okay, there's something to this. What you eat affects how you feel. Did you ever have like any self-doubt or like nervous, like, can I actually do this? Can I actually open a restaurant? Yeah, I have it every minute of every day. I mean, right now while we're having this podcast, I'm thinking to myself, how, uh, what's happening over there and why did I ever think I could do this? I have self-doubt all the time about, you know, opening my own business, running my own business. I think there's a lot to, you know, I think there's something to the term imposter syndrome and sort of thinking why, like what, why me? And then you sort of have to say yourself, well, why not you? Like why anybody else but you, you know? And that took me a long time to sort of understand that I was, that if I looked within myself, I could find many of the things that I admired in other, in other women, entrepreneurs and other business women. And you know, that I could learn to recognize those things in myself and that it's, it's very challenging. It, you know, I, I might face failures. I, it's very hard to open a, you know, Aspen took many years before, before it turned a profit and 
now, you know, opening in New York at the end of a pan or in the middle of a pandemic, depending on who you ask is, you know, is no easy feat. But I think if you just so sort of always like stay true to your mission and your values, you know, at the core, what your business is and what you're trying to do. And there's going to be a hundred million voices. I have so many operations people and advisors and consultants and accountants constantly telling me what I need to and what I, you know, should do. And I think you kind of have to take all of that and know your weaknesses and know where you need advice, but also don't doubt what you know in your heart to be true. Like what you know to be true, you follow that and you stick with that. And I've learned a lot of that from you actually, because you, you're you very good at at just sort of drowning out all the noise and having a very clear idea of what your brand is and who you are and what you want to share with people. And I do, I've, I've really learned a lot from watching you run a business and start your own business and being an entrepreneur and also a mom. And you've helped me a lot. I mean, you, you know, you asked me the other day or not the other day, a few minutes ago, what my favorite memory. And it was, we were at a, I think at a tennis game or a Knicks game together. And I was, you were like, I don't understand why you don't take this farther and share all of this. And I, I said, you know, Ariel, I have no idea how I'm not good at Instagram. I'm not like you. I don't know what to even put out there. And you just like made me an account while we were sitting. And we watching made your bio. I remember we, we made my bio and you, you were like very strict with me. You were like, I want you posting every day. And you introduced the account to all your fans and you were like, don't let me down. They're all going to follow you. You better not mess this up. And by the next day, I had like 2,500 followers and nothing posted. And I was like, oh, my God, what am I supposed to do? And I just started sharing like, you you know, what I was doing. And that, you know, my Instagram was actually a big part of how Spring Cafe came to be in New York. So you were a big part of that. As mothers, we need to find time for self-care, of course. What is one thing or ritual you look to do for you? I think that I've always tried, and I really believe this, to look at self-care as more, and I think this was from my parents too, and my mom was to sort of weave it into your life. So for instance, if you're eating this way and drinking your, like for me, it's making my juice or getting my juice in the cafe every morning or just like living in a way that helps me feel my best, the need to sort of run out and do so much self-care is is not as high. But I think as a mom, it's, for me, self-care is just like taking a minute when I need one, you know, like asking my husband to do pickup. And then I don't every, I can sort of take an extra 10 minutes to do every activity throughout my day or taking a walk or going for a run or, you know, surfing, which I learned recently and became obsessed with, like just being able to do something that I love in a way that I'm not rushing through my day is the ultimate act of self-care for me. I had um, my mom on the podcast and we talked about how she, you know, had, she had so many miscarriages um, and infertility and postpartum stuff. And back then it was just taboo. Like you do not talk about those things. Um, And I do think that we didn't really mention, but a lot of things that we connected on, you know, as our friendship, you know, was growing was, all those things that we did feel that I necessarily didn't feel comfortable talking to anyone else about um, and vice versa. But what are your thoughts on, you know, people not really talking? I mean, I guess it's people are speaking about it a little bit more now, but 
how do you feel about it? Do you feel like it should be more of an open conversation? Do you feel like talking to your friends has helped you? Oh my God. Yes. Because after I had a B, I, I think the thing that shocked me most, I've, I've been very open that I had crazy postpartum anxiety and postpartum OCD after my first son. And, you know, part of the hardest thing was I didn't even know that exi- I didn't, it, if you said to me when I was pregnant with my first son that like I would get postpartum OCD, I wouldn't even know what that was. Cause you either hear like postpartum depression, you know, in a massive way or, or, or nothing or, but rainbows and butterflies. And with the exception of maybe one, I don't know a single friend of mine who has had a baby and had all rainbows and butterflies. I think every single one of my friends, once I was open about it was like, Oh yeah, it's really hard in the beginning. Like it's, it's terrible. And all these bizarre things happen to you. And I think that, you know, we don't, nobody talks about it. Like nobody, nobody says now when when friends ask me about having a baby, I, I, you know, I tell them it's incredible and amazing and, and wonderful. And it's magical, but it's also in the beginning might not feel that way and might feel really hard and really scary. And you might have very strange thoughts and feel very strange sensations and that that's totally normal. And I think that it needs to be I think, I think birth in general and motherhood and, you know, we, we have a long way to go in terms of, of getting back to a more sort of open and nurturing culture when it comes to all of that. I know that if I had not been open about it with friends and had people like you to talk to about it, I probably wouldn't have gotten through it in the way that I did. Um, But I think it's, it can be really scary and really isolating for a new mom to sort of have a baby and think that this child is going to come out and you're just going to be blissful and in love and your hair is going to be flowing and your boobs are going to be flowing golden milk and everything's going to be wonderful. And then, you know, you have a baby and you're kind of like, oh my God, I am feeling and thinking and seeing so many things that I never imagined or didn't, you know, what's wrong with me. And once people would text me and say like, oh, how are you? Isn't this glorious? And I'd say, not really. I kind of feel terrible. And I'd say, oh, actually that, yeah, that's normal. We just didn't, we didn't want to say that. I'm like, well, please say that. Like, please warn me. You know, what's so interesting is that you were, I mean, you were so there for me and so apart. Like now when I look back, it's just exactly what it was. I was in severe, I had severe postpartum depression and anxiety after Esme. Yeah. I mean, you were there for the whole thing. I would write you in the middle of the night. Like, I mean, I was not well. Yeah. You thought you were dying. I thought I was dying right after Lucas. Crazy. And I, I honestly don't think, I mean, not saying that speaking to people got me out of it. Cause I was in a very dark place and it was really terrifying, but just having someone there to just sort of support me while I was feeling those things was life changing. And when like when I was in it, I didn't see it that way. Like I didn't really think about it. But when I look back now, like I don't know what would have happened if I didn't have you to like call in the middle of the night and like hysterically cry and talk about irrational thoughts and feelings. And you'd be like, it's okay for you to feel this way. Like not like you were never like, you should not feel this way. Like, don't worry. You were just like, yeah, like feel it like feel it and just like ride with it. And I'm here, call me whenever, like whatever you need. And that was life changing for me. It really was. No, I mean, it was life, it was life changing for me to have gone through it and then see you go through it. Cause it was so obvious to me 
that you were just having postpartum anxiety, that there was nothing bad actually happening to you except you were having anxiety and coaching you through it sort of just reaffirmed everything I learned coaching myself through it or the help I got. And so I actually think it like, I'm not even nervous about it after the third, because if it happens, like if I get anxiety, it'll all just get anxiety and it'll, we'll go back to being our, you know, go back to being ourselves. But I think that imagine like how many women are out there that don't have a best friend who's gone through that or that don't have a support network or who turns to their partner and says like, I don't know if I love this baby right when it comes out, or I don't know if I'm connecting to this baby or I'm seeing myself do weird things to this baby, you know, and they just immediately think that there's something terribly wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. You're just, it's a biochemical war zone in your body. And it's also a huge transformation to go from being one person to having another human come out of you and becoming a mother. And we don't really touch on that. We don't talk about that enough. There's a lot of just focus on the nursery and how cute everything is and how wonderful. And I think there are a lot of women doing amazing podcasts and outreach and, you know, talking about birth and all of that in a, in a beautiful way. And so I try to find those things. And I know we both would send each other like quotes like that all throughout. Um, any, I have them all saved too. And I would like go back through my archives to like send you something. And here you are and you, you, you're amazing and you're great. And you just had your third kid and you're, you know, in a totally different place. And I remember so many of the dinners where we sat together and you thought that would never be possible. And I was like, it's, I promise it's possible. It might take a few, like a little time, but it's possible. To wrap up our conversation, do you have any advice for women or yeah, women uh, wanting to take that leap and uh, start a business or become a mother? Like, do you have any advice for anyone, for everyone? I think just sort of trusting your gut and trusting the timing and not trying to plan so much, not trying to be an overnight success, not worrying if you don't find your niche or exactly who you're meant to be at a certain time. You know, I think of myself as a sort of late bloomer. Like I did not know exactly what my path would be in certainly not in high school, a little bit more in college. Uh, but I always sort of just had inklings of what of things that I did that brought me closer to sort of the life that I imagined for myself or the person I wanted to be. And I always followed those, whether they made sense to anybody else, but me or not, you know, I think I, I, I always joke that I'm a, I'm a businesswoman. I'm a mom. I have two restaurants. I think if you asked me to write a resume, I, I still, if I had to present my resume to anyone, I would not get hired for a job. Like there is no way that I, my resume would pass through a job interview round, but that's okay. To me, it, my life made sense to me. And that's the only thing that got me to where I am or that allows me, you know, to keep striving for where I want to go. And so I think that's my biggest advice is whether it comes to becoming a mom or, you know, being a mom, the kind of mother you want to be, if you're about to welcome your first child, your choices don't have to make sense to anyone, but you, they don't have to resonate with anyone, but you, and obviously your partner, if you're, you know, raising a family, but it doesn't, it, it doesn't, whether it, that can be true of, of starting your own business or how you want to lead or how you want to build your team to welcoming a baby and the kind of birth you want to have. And, you know, something like sleep training or all these buzzwords that people have so much advice and opinions on. 
you just kind of you, you that doesn't it doesn't matter what anyone else has to say about it as long as it like really resonates with you so true it's great advice so this has been such a fun conversation. Thank you for joining me and giving us the chance to talk about friendship, wellness, and motherhood. You could follow Sabrina on Instagram at Spring by Sabrina, and your restaurant is Spring Cafe Aspen on Instagram. Thank you to all the listeners out there. Reach out to us with any questions about the podcast or who you would want us to bring on next. That's a wrap for today's episode of In-House. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with more thoughtful discussions and amazing guests. Make sure you follow on Spotify and Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode. And of course, follow me at Ariel Charnas and at Something Navy. See you next week.